Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> Hey guys, Dave here from the Super Sentai Brothers, which you you probably guessed since you're listening to the Super Sentai Brothers. Anyways, just wanted to throw out a quick apology. Uh, my sound quality is a little bit weird this week because I did not notice that I recorded the whole first section of this show using my computer's onboard mic. It's still there. It just sounds weird. So sorry about that. All right, back to action. Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 36 of the Jetman with the Golden Gun, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Chojin Sentai Jetman. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Good, man. Kind of tired, but I am excited to watch some Chojin Sentai Jetman. I had a lot of stuff going on this week. It's a busy week, dude. Oh, yeah? Well... Let us then get into what we've been up to this week, Dave. Because shining in the heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? <laughs> so, so this thing, this isn't actually a thing that I've been like busy with. So it's that was a weird transition, but whatever. So I have a Gmail account. Listen, man, because... I, I, I'm just going with the transitions that you give me. <laughs> There's only Sorry, so much so... I can do here, Dave. No, that's that's listen, that's my fault. I'll own that. I set that up poorly. But I haven't, this isn't like a busyness thing that I've been doing. Because the busy thing that I've been doing isn't actually super interesting. Like it was show week, which is just like, hey, I was super busy with rehearsals and having kids do theater, which is fun. It's interesting to like be there and be part of it, but it's not like there's no goofs to be had about that. So it's just, you know, uh, it's just exciting watching children experience the wonder of theater. So that's... Sure, 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 uh, whatever. But what's our first star of the week? Yeah. So Gmail, right? Yeah, so I have a Gmail which address. Is so much more thrilling than the Wonder of Live Theater. <laughs> so I have, yeah, like, okay. So I have a Gmail address because, again, I'm under the age of, I don't know, uh, I don't know, everybody has a Gmail address. Like, it, I know this is silly because Gmail is just one of many free. This is not like, you know, Gmail is not, you don't pay for it. You just have a Gmail address. But honestly, anytime I see someone that doesn't have a Gmail address, if somebody's emailing me from Yahoo or Hotmail, Earthlink, right? Road I just runner. look at that. <laughs> when I just look at, it, I was like, "What is why? Why do you have a Hotmail address? There is no I, I, reason." I really like the ones that are like very clearly like very old email accounts that are from like aim.com. Oh yeah, man. Anyway. <laughs> So, you have a okay. Gmail account, as so, right. do I, so say we all. What so have say you we been all. doing with this email address? So, but I have had it for like 10 years. I, my Gmail is old enough that I needed an invitation, right? Yep, me That's too. how old this Gmail address is. And I was looking at it this earlier this week, and I looked in the upper right-hand side, and first of all, there were two or 300 unread emails, in this in this account, and also my inbox had forty five hundred emails, like four thousand five hundred emails in it, just 
chilling. And that is that is not like your work address. That is just like your personal email address. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just my personal email address. And then I went into my promotions and social and stuff. And each of those had an additional like 6,500 emails. And I thought, like, I don't know why, but this was the week that... <laughs> Like, it has finally come to a head. <laughs> right. Like, this was the week I looked at this and decided, like, this cannot stand. I need Divus to deal with this somehow. And so I have just been going through and categorizing slash deleting like, vast quantities of emails. So I'm down about 2,000. Oh, that, and that it must actually, feel great. It does. It feels much better than I think maybe it ought to. Because who cares? But it does make me really good. And I just, I love deleting things. And we've talked about, we've talked about this before. But like, I love deleting things. I love throwing things away. I love like going through and, and sorting out information. Oh, dude, me too. I mean, obviously, that is why I have like a library science degree and studied archives. Yeah, I'll exactly. Tell you, David, sure, worth wasn't for the bank account. So when you so when you went when you I remember when you first went to library school I was like man library school like I, you know because you're a history guy and I'm an English guy but I like history but I was like man library school I don't I don't know about that man and then you started explaining as you were sort of getting more into it you started explaining what exactly was going on and specifically what you sort of did on the archives end of things and I just remember thinking. Oh, yeah. No, that sounds... Yeah, that sounds great. It's, I can get real into that. Yeah, it's very satisfying. <laughs> so that's my whole thing. I'm just deleting like a billion to emails, and it feels real good. My goal is to get my inbox down to like a hundred. That's what I want. And just everything... I'm not like deleting everything. I'm just... I'm filing it. I'm filing it so it's like a place, but it's not just in a mass. Not just in like some sort of horrifying pile. That's what I want. I just want to bring order to my tiny corner of the internet. So that's what I've been doing with with this first star, Matt. That's well. I, I wish you luck, Dave. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So, what is our second star of the week? Okay, Dave. Our second star of the week is uh, okay. I've got a problem, and the problem is that since I've gotten Fallout Four, I've mm-hmm. also started doing another thing that is taking up a lot of my time. I really like Ooh. both of them, and it's getting very difficult to balance my schedule between these two things that are like stupid and don't matter, right? So first of all, I'm just spending loads of time still on Fallout 4. But the other thing... Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. The other thing is that I've also started watching Power Rangers Time Force. I I don't know that one. Okay, here is the deal with Power Rangers Time Force. And I, I started watching it because, like... There's some Twitter stuff that I could get into. Uh, basically, like someone was talking about what I thought they were talking about was um, the Time Ranger characters, which is okay. the Super Sentai. And oh, okay. Then they said, so "Oh no, no!" Got, okay. Like we were talking about Power Rangers Time Force, and I said, "That sounds very good." And they said, "That is excellent." So I have been watching Power Rangers Time Force. Um, and here is the thing: it is the first time that I've ever watched a Power Rangers show in the post-Angel Grove era. All right. So, like... I didn't... Okay, I legit did not know that there was a post-Angel Grove era. I just assumed that... Yeah, okay. Because I think when Tommy went away... 
like eventually after and I think this would have been like Turbo. I think he leaves part of the way through Turbo. Got um it. like once you hit Turbo, then like the show kind of changes and it's not just like that continual thing like going on and on and on until I think at some point there's like an official break where like Zordon explodes or something and uh, then it goes into much more of like the how the Sentai show is set up where like it resets every year but there's still kind of more of a continuity to it but it's a lot less like it was in the early days where it was just like one ongoing TV show. Ah okay. So I did not realize that by the time they had gotten to Power Rangers Time Force, Power Rangers Time Force is about a a team of future policemen who travel to our present to chase down a mutant criminal who has like bones coming out of him. (laughs) Like he's like, like he's an adult jerk dude version of Marrow from the X-Men. Yes. Uh, And they have to team up with, like, this smiley rich kid who gives up his father's fortune to, like, help them fight time crime. Uh, And they live in a clock tower. And, like, dude, Power Rangers Time Force is amazing. And what's also amazing about it is that, like, I've seen the first 10 or 12 episodes of uh, Time Ranger. And, Uh like, they're really, like, they're both very cool. And a lot of it is in very similar ways, but there are a handful of things that are strikingly different. Like huh. the main the main bad guy in Time Ranger is like this big blue toad guy with like a bunch of gold chains who's kind of like this mob boss, right? Okay, let me just back that up real quick. Giant anthropomorphic mob boss toad. Yes? Yeah, he's Those are the words that you just said? Yep. Yep, okay, on board. Just double-checking... That I did not have a tiny stroke there. Nope, Please nope. Continue. Those were words that came out of my mouth. Um, and but the thing is, like that 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 costume, that rubber suit, is in Power Rangers Time Force. But at least so far as I've gotten, that dude is not the main dude of Power Rangers Time Force. He's just <laughs> He's like just the bumbling out. guy who like trips over stuff in the background. He is like their squat or babu. Like he is that dude. You know, man, I am continually sort of because I have watched. You know, I've watched some Z-Ranger, and obviously I watched Power Rangers as a kid, and I am sort of continually amazed at just how divergent these shows are. That, you know, the Japanese creators do one thing, and then the American producers look at it and say, okay, I can dig a giant anthropomorphic blue toad, but no way is that guy the main villain. Right, we need to introduce, like, Bone Monster. Uh, Like, yeah, Bone Monster, that's the guy. Like, Rancic, the bone dude, he's awesome. Uh... But yeah, like there's just a lot of weird stuff. Um, what's very cool about it is that the leader of that team is the Pink Ranger. Like the Red Ranger is sort of nominally like he stands in the middle when they're posing, but like one hundred percent, like the Pink Ranger, like she is in charge. Huh? That's crazy. And that's also kind of how it is in Time Ranger, because like the Red Ranger was a recruit from the present era. Whereas the other four were from Are, like, the future. Future cops. Got it. Well, dang, man, that sounds like a heck of a show. I probably ought to check that out. Dude, uh, point. here is your reminder that literally all of Power Rangers is on Netflix. <laughs> um, oh, that's not right. like the most recent season, but I'm pretty sure that every other Power Rangers thing is all on Netflix. No, it is. It's all there. I just, you know, I'd listen, man. I don't know. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, with, listen, when there's 20 years of a show and it's all on Netflix, it's kind of hard to like pick a point to just to, like hop in and start <laughs> watching it. But if you are going to do that, um, Time Force is rad. It's a good spot. Okay, duly noted. So Dave, what is our third star of the week? Ooh, oh, I'm super excited. So, we, there is finally a trailer for the Assassin's Creed movie that is coming out in December. Okay, I literally watched this trailer 10 minutes ago because I saw that it was written down on our list and I wanted to get to it before we started recording. What is going on with this movie, Dave? Okay, well, listen, there's a lot going on. Well, first of all, let me say, a lot of this is conjecture on my part. If you haven't seen the trailer, uh, if you're interested, we'll pause for a second, and you can pause right now and go watch it. Beep, 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 beep. Okay, Matt, so you actually have a very, it's a very valid question as to what exactly is going on here. Uh, here's the quick version. And But you've played Assassin's Creed, though, right? Oh, yeah. It's just that, like... Okay, here is, here is my main question while looking at this trailer. Is that the trailer for this video game looks exactly like the video game in a way that I've never seen for like as a video game movie. And part of that is because the Assassin's Creed series is so, like, cinematic. Well, okay, So watching that- it, I'm just like, is this, like, it kind of just looks like cutscenes from a game I never got to play, which looks fun, um, but I just really don't know how to process it. Well, the really cool thing, and they did, some, they did something super smart with, uh, with the Assassin's Creed series, which at this point has been around for, like, ten years or something, I want to say. Yeah, it's about as old as Gmail I don't, I don't quite account. remember, but it's pretty old. But the thing about the Assassin's Creed series of video games is that the fiction, like, within the context of the game, is that you are sort of playing a video game. In that, like, you as the character are plugged into this computer simulation that is, in fact, the Assassin's Creed game. Right. And so all of the things about, like, oh, you died and reset... That's that's supposed to be happening in in the game. Like there is a metafiction that you are participating in, that you are playing a character who is in fact playing the video game that is Assassin's Creed, if that makes any sense. And so the trailer for Assassin's Creed is just mimicking that. And so it really does, like you said it really well, it looks like a trailer for the new Assassin's Creed video game that we just haven't gotten to play yet and has astonishingly high production values. I just really hope that this is not a movie about watching Michael Fassbender play a video game. Because that, <laughs> like, listen, Michael Fassbender is a great actor and I'll watch him do a lot of things, but that does not sound super great. <laughs> I hope it is. I hope it's just Fassbender with, like, an Xbox controller and he's just <laughs> sitting in an easy chair doing commentary over the latest Assassin's Creed game. But I think it looks, I think it looks super, super cool. Uh, I like that it seems as though it's going to be really true to the kind of concept of Assassin's Creed. And I just, I also, I really like Michael Fassbender. And so I'm really looking forward to Assassin's Creed. I think it's coming out in December or something. Yeah. And also, uh, Marianne Cotillard is in that movie and I love her to death. Just, yeah, she's know, fantastic. Oh, uh, yeah, no, she's incredible. Hey, actually, speaking of Michael Fassbender and Marin Cotillard, did you see the most re- – because they, they just finished a movie together, a Macbeth movie together. I did not in. get a chance to see that. Oh, holy crap, dude. It's on Amazon Prime, faux free. You should watch it. It's amazing. 
Okay, well, it's I, not. I will watch Macbeth. You watch the first couple episodes of uh, Time Force. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Those two things are like culturally, uh, you know, culturally equivalent. Hey, man, don't knock it till you've seen the first few episodes. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to Shakespeare nerd out over this Macbeth thing, but seriously, like, it's killer. So, uh, what, Matt, is our fourth Star of the Week? Okay, Dave, our fourth Star of the Week is that yesterday was Saturday. We are recording on Sunday, which is super late for us, but we will get into that in the next star. Um, uh, But yesterday, I was sitting around, and I realized, like, wow, man, we're recording tomorrow, and I know what we're doing for four of the five stars. I have nothing for the last one. <laughs> so so you just I had to started, do a thing. I started flipping through like Facebook to see if anything was going on around town. And I saw that a friend of mine who works at this like photography education center, um, they were having an exhibit and a sort of like workshop thing where a person was coming in and she is this photographer who works in tin types. What really? Yeah, so tin types. If you don't know, it's like an old, old sort of like Civil War era like photography technology, where the the image is developed directly on a piece of metal. Um, it's like this crazy looking thing. Um, but so she was coming in and just taking tin types of people. So I went in and I waited in line, and I now I don't. I mean, she kept it obviously because like. She is an artist who has, like, a growing portfolio of, like, this travel tintype exhibit Uh she's got. But she will be sending me a picture of it, I think. Uh, There is a, like, tintype portrait of me that now exists. Dang, dude! That's that's really cool! Yeah, it was great. Uh, Did you get... I mean, okay, so obviously it wasn't, like, developed by the time he's left. Oh, is there like a picture of this thing? Uh, I mean, there is the thing, which is a picture. Uh, I well, I'm sorry. Did you yet. get a picture of the picture? Did you? I do not have it yet. I think she's going to be like sending scans out because like I put up my, e- I gave her my email address. So I think I'll be getting a scanned image of it eventually. Oh, dear. Dude, you got to send that on. I'm super. I want to see what you look in tint. I mean, I know what you look like. It obviously. looks, you know, pretty much like me, but like, you know. <laughs> monochromatic and like a little brownish um but yeah dudes uh it was amazing to just like watch the whole process because the thing about it is that like it takes you know like it takes a while right um it doesn't take as long as you think it does you were probably thinking of a different like ferrotype photography like technology that takes like an hour okay this like once everything's all set up and like she has like, done all the chemistry stuff. The actual photograph is only exposed... Like, it, like the aperture is only open for, like, 10 seconds or something. All right. There's just a lot of, like, setup work before and after. But, like... Gotcha. Then she, like, took it back to her darkroom and did the whole thing and brought it back out and put it in, like, the series of chemicals that you have to put it in. And I just saw it, like, wash up on this metal plate... Uh, like faster, like at that point, once all the work has been done, it pops up like faster than it's a polar. Okay. Like it's really awesome. Now that's rad. Uh, so yeah, if you guys ever get the chance, uh, get your face on some go metal. Get your, go get some tintype. <laughs> so Dave, what is our fifth and final star of the week? So uh, you may be able to tell, but I'm a tiny bit, I'm a tiny bit tired as we're doing this. It's because I just got back from a LARP event and I managed to sleep for like an hour before we are recording this, which is enough to get me through uh, this recording and probably not a whole lot else. Like I think I'm going to pass out directly after 
we finished this. That's fair. I consumed, yeah, I consumed two double espressos on the way home. Like the three-hour drive home, two double espressos. And that managed to get me to my house, still conscious. And then I immediately took a shower and went to sleep for like an hour and a half. Which is bananas. So, uh, I just got back from a LARP event. It was a blast. And this it was, was my the, first... Uh, I was going to say, this is the first one of the year, right? Well, this is my first... I mean, there are... Yes, effectively. For me, it was, it was the first one of the year. So, I, uh, I'm i doing some different stuff now. I'm no longer uh, like a wizard. I mean, I am still a wizard, but now I'm like a battle mage wizard. And I'm sort of like a knight now, and I'm much more martial. And so, I'm like yelling at people to do things, and that's super fun. Well, I know you love yelling at people. I do, well, I do, I do, but in a constructive way. Oh, I sure. want to like to do helpful, helpful guiding yelling. But there were there were a couple of things that happened on the sort of on the way to and from uh, this event. So commute updates, I guess it's sort of a commute. I went to a place and then came back from that place. So commute updates maybe we can get that new song in again (laughs) i seriously i lost it the first time i heard the new commute update song we need a new song for commute update we need a new song we need a new song we need we need we need we need we need a new song. We need a new song. Commute update. But anyway, so so I'm coming back from the event, right? And there's a I go on a toll road to get down to West Virginia, which is where we play the game. And but I have Easy Pass, which we've talked about before, just because it's super convenient and amazing, right? Right. And so I, I go into the Easy Pass lane and the gate doesn't go up. And I'm just sort of sitting there, kind of like looking around, trying to figure out what's going on. And like cars are starting to pile up behind me, because Easy Pass is supposed to be very quick. I was gonna and say I'm, this I, this sounds like a difficult pass. Yeah. And I feel bad, but I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And so I like back up and I'm like looking around and I'm like, you know, I'm just sort of poking my head on trying to figure out why this machine is not working. And so eventually one of the like toll booth operators like comes around and he's like, you know, come keep backing up. And I was like, oh, okay. I must have maybe like missed the sensor or something. He's like, roll your your window down. It's very cool. He's like, here, take the ticket. And it's like, oh, I wasn't even looking for a ticket because I have Easy Pass. And he's like, yeah, it's called problem solving. And he like starts to go into this berating thing about like, like you know, that I'm like a dumb jerk. Like he doesn't say like you're a dumb jerk, but like his tone of voice is very clearly like you're a dumb jerk. Why didn't you automatically go to take a ticket? Blah, 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 blah. And I eventually was just like, all right, dude, yeah, thanks, and drove away. He's like, dude, do not yell at me because your machine is broken. Right, but first of all, I was like, yeah, your machine is broken. Like, I have my thing set up right. This is not my problem. So the other thing that happened, this actually happened prior to this whole experience with uh, ODOT personnel, is that after the event, we will often go and grab, grab some snacks. We've discussed this. Re Chinese dumplings, right? Correct. 
So we were, we're like, let's just go get Chinese buffet. It's delicious. So we go get Chinese buffet, but we got out too efficiently. Like we cleaned everything up too quickly. And Chinese buffet was not open by the time we arrived, which was a great disappointment. But we're like, all right, well, you know, we, we still got to eat. So let's go, let's go to Perkins. So we go to Perkins. And Matt, um, have you been to a Perkins like in a while? Uh, I'm going to say that, that I have not been to Perkins in, let's call it... 18 years. Okay. Well, I want to be you're not you're not missing a whole whole lot. Like Perkins is not too amazing. It's like a nicer Denny's, right? Is it? I, I always assumed it was like kind of a dumpier Denny's. No, 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 no. Perkins is defo nicer than Denny's. Okay. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, anyways. Uh but they did so I just got like whatever. But they uh they did have a breakfast appetizer. And I ordered this thing on the assumption that my friends would help me eat it. They didn't. Betrayals. So I couldn't, I didn't finish it. So this is what this thing is. Is they just take a raw cinnamon roll, right? Okay. And they just jam that bad boy in a waffle iron. And then they just close the waffle iron. And and then you just get, it's called a cinnamon waffler. Uh, and it's just a waffle made out of a cinnamon roll. Yeah, that doesn't seem like an appetizer. That seems like a dessert that you split three ways. Yeah, it was. It was way too much for one person to consume. Like, don't get me wrong. This thing was crazy good. Oh, sure. I mean, listen, those are two great tastes that I assume taste great <laughs> together. Yeah, and then there's there was like glaze on the top of it. It was real, real friggin' tasty. But I ate like one piece of it. And I thought, that's enough. That's enough of that. And I was like, come, friends. Enjoy this cinnamon waffler bounty that I have provided for us. And people were like, no, dude, I'm not. I can't eat that. It's That's too much. I was like, no, it is too much. That's why I don't. And no, like one person ate a part of it. And they're like, that's real good. I was like, have more. They're like, no, I can't. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> so I left half of it on the table because I couldn't finish it. But uh, but yeah, those are my, my fun LARP things and my commute. Update stories. Okay, well, speaking of too much food and food in general, Dave, uh, we are going to take a break. We're going to watch episode 36. It's titled A Walking Appetite and People. Uh, there's some real nightmare fuel in this one. Just a heads up. Uh, uh, hooray. Let's get into it. All right, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 36, A Walking Appetite and People. Dave, how did you feel about this episode? Man, you were not kidding about there being some nightmare fuel in this oh, one. Oh, yeah, dude. Boy, this howdy. gets dark. Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, listen, the episode, <laughs> I should have just believed the episode title. Yeah, because. Sure is- enough, it's an insatiable hunger and people. Yep. Uh, so here is where we start. They're on a bus. And they are heading, when I say they, I mean the Jetmen, obviously. Uh, they and the chief are all on a bus, and they are driving out to the countryside to take, like, a group vacation. Now, hopefully, the bus drive is a lot more pleasant than the last time a few of them got on a bus to go on a vacation. It did look like the same bus, though, <laughs> really as they did. used for bus dimension. Well, you know... Which makes, I mean, how many buses do they probably have in the prop shed? Right, like, Toei probably owns a bus... Um, and this is the one. It just so happens that this time it didn't turn into, like, a murderer that turned people on it into foam. <laughs> Which, you know, uh, that's a good, good for them, so right? good start. So they're good on this bus trip. This episode. 
Yeah, and they are driving out to Nagano Prefecture, which, if I remember my like vague Japanese cultural history lesson from a decade and a half ago, is uh, the sort of agricultural heart of Japan. Well, that, yeah, and so that's you know, like, what we're seeing. Because as they're driving, they see like cows on the side of the road. Uh, the girls are very excited to see some cows. Yeah, and they're driving past hot springs, and the whole point of this is that they're they're going on vacation. And so <laughs> Ryu turns to the chief and he says, man, chief, it's not like you to take us all out on holiday. And the chief says, what? So I can't be generous? Nah, you're probably right. We should get back to work. And then Ryu's like, oh, wait, no, 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 it's totally fine. And he starts giving her a back rub. <laughs> and it's a very weird moment. Where it seems like the chief is their mom. It really does. Like, Although, like, if she's okay. not happy, we will turn this car it, it around. It does not seem exactly like it's the mom because, like, when he starts giving her a back rub, she's like, yes, do that. Like, she is very into the back rub in a way that I would hope his mother would not be. <laughs> yeah, that's. I. I actually thought for a little bit at the beginning of this show that the chief and Ryu might end up as a, as an item. That's obviously not going to happen because we're clearly going to get Rie back and the chief loves nothing so much as justice. But for a moment, like I could see that dynamic happening. It would have made sense had the story moved another direction. But anyway, so they finally get to where yeah. they're going. Which is called Redwood Inn. Yes. Uh, there are a bunch of cows outside. The camera sort of lingers on the hills and the trees. It's a, it's a very lovely area. It is. Although, okay, so in the beginning of every episode of Jetman, when they flash the title of the episode, what it is is that they just do a freeze frame of whatever that you were looking at at that moment, and then the title flashes up on the screen. But for this one, it's a picture of a cow, but they freeze it on the cow right as the cow is making the dumbest face I've ever seen a cow make. It's sort of, its head is stretched out and it's looking with like one eye rolled and its tongue is half out. And just like, guys, you could have paused this at any moment. That's a weird face for a cow to make. So, so anyway, following this, so, as they have sort of gotten to their vacation grounds, we get what I can only describe as a friendship montage. Oh, I uh, I just put frolicking. That, that is it. They are frolicking. Um, yeah, they are straight up frolicking in like, nature. The chief has a There's camera. There's a bunch of... So she's taking yep. a camera of the Jetman, uh, and then she like sets it on a timer. Taking a camera, has she? And mm-hmm. goes to like stand with them because, hey, do you remember how cameras used to have like tripods and timers and it used to be like a very big deal? Oh, Yeah. Like I don't, I don't know if people still do that, and I haven't seen someone with like an actual physical non-telephone camera in a long time. But oh no, I mean people, uh, people do. That's still a thing. I think it's just you have to be like. Now the only people that do it are people who are into photography. That like that is a thing that they do. You know, because it used to just be like you had a camera, probably if you wanted to take pictures of anything at any point in your whole life. But now I feel like the only people that have cameras are like hobbyist photographers, because otherwise, why would you? I like to think that perhaps the chief is a hobbyist photographer, and that is her second great love. (laughs) She only loves justice and photography. 
So we get a couple of picks. We see Ryu is paragliding. Which, okay, I, I made a note of this because he is. He is paragliding around. It looks like he has a great time. But dudes, Ryu can fly. He can right. fly with <laughs> wigs that he has and his superpowers. <laughs> Ryu can fly. Why is he parasailing? He can fly with wigs. And it's not like these they have secret identities. Like they've never been a secret no. that these dudes are the jet men. And everybody, here's the thing, not only is Ryu paragliding, all the other Jetmen are like, oh, no way, that looks super cool. Like, they're looking up at him, and they're real excited. I mean, I am sure Guys, that, like, the dude who is the actor is having a great time, but, like, in character, it makes it, no sense. It's like, guys, you pilot, like, a 10-story giant robot, robot? On the regular, like on a weekly basis, you guys do this. I just don't feel like paragliding should be that exciting for you. So Ryu is paragliding. <laughs> uh, Raita is doing some milking. And I guess the resident farmer is complimenting him on his technique. He's like, wow, dude, you're really good at this. And Raita's like, yeah, man, I do this all the time. Uh, we cut to a bit where they're all sort of bicycling around. And then we get to this one shot where, like, the chief is sitting at a table having, like, a cup of coffee or reading a book or something, and all of the Jetmen start, like, running down some steps towards her. And it is not the same shot, but it looks... It is framed as though it is the same shot from, like, the end of the end credits of the show. Which... Yeah, that is, is sort of a weird nothing, moment. Nothing, but I noticed it and was like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. So then we see the Jetmen are playing volleyball. Well, I was really volleyball. They're just like hitting a ball. Volleyball they're hitting around. the ball around. I was genuinely hoping that we would get some super powered volleyball X Men style. We didn't, but I had there was a brief glimmer of hope in my heart. Uh, we cut over to Guy and Kauri, who are not playing with the volleyball. Uh, Guy goes to light a cigarette, but Kauri like stops him and says, "No, like don't smoke here. You'll ruin like the beautiful country air." And they have what is perhaps the first time in this show is like a cute couple moment where it's just like, oh, those two are just like people who like each other and are having a good yeah. time together. It's a very tender moment. Guy reaches down, he put, he takes her hand, and <laughs> then Akko <laughs> hits Kauri in the face with the volleyball. And Kauri's like, ah, what just happened? And Akko turns and she's like, hey, no keeping secrets. Which I guess is her code word for like, hey, no being alone as a couple. This is team time. Right. You need so to come over get, here and frolic. Right. Get in on this volleyball frolicking. Post haste. <laughs> so, but uh, they, oh, I'm sorry. Right before that, Kauri also says, she says, hey, we should come back here. Just us. Which is like, all right. Guy and Kauri holding hands, making plans together as a for the future as a couple. It's super. Like I am as invested in the Guy Kauri relationship as I have as I have been in I think any fictional relationship. Yeah, I th- I'm I'm comfortable saying that. Yeah, it's great. Those two are great, except for the times that Guy is not great at all. <laughs> oh yeah, except yeah, except when he's like a weird creeper. Okay, so we leave there, and we hop over to the Viram Dimension, and Gray is listening to some classical music with a little brandy, as is his want to do, and Maria is also there, and she is listening. Uh, but they're doing, they're just like sitting there, like quietly staring at a phonograph, <laughs> which is like, I don't know how people listen to music. 
And I, like, I have a record player. Heck, I have two record players. I don't sit there and stare at them while they are playing. But listen, <laughs> I'm not a crazy murder robot from another dimension. I don't know how they do. Listen, maybe they don't have record players where Gray's from, and he's fascinated by the technology. Like, he himself is a robot. Maybe he's just really grooving on the technical aspects of what's happening. So Tran is off to the side, and he is playing some sort of flute. And he's playing, you know, it sounds nice. It's playing very well, but it's overlapping with the music that Gray is listening to. And so Gray turns around, and I think he throws his glass at Tran and yells at him to shut up. And Maria says... Oh, Gray, don't be angry. Tran isn't old enough. Tran can't understand art yet. As what? though that is like a skill that you unlock in puberty. Yeah. Also, dude was literally just playing an instrument. Like, you guys are passively listening to something that somebody else has created. Tran is actively involved in the process of artistic creation. Well, I don't think you get to throw shade on that front. Okay, he is. But, like, he is playing elementary school recorder songs. Like, he is not, like, grooving on some classical music. Well, okay. I would say it's, like, a little bit better than elementary school. But still. And then, so then Radigat comes over. and Okay, so sorry. Maria and Gray are throwing some shade on Tran because he's young. And then Radigat comes over and drops maybe the strangest age-related insult I've ever heard. He turns to Tran and he just says, why don't you go suckle your mother's teat? Yeah. And he's like, oh, Which like is, you, you're just at that age where you want to be difficult all the time. And it's this very strange moment, especially because like Radigat had not previously been in this scene. So, like, he just just heard people (laughs) arguing. It's like, oh, I've got to get it on this. Yeah, so he drops, like, a weird nursing-related insult. But the very strange thing about this is that Tran has been this age the whole time. This has literally never come up. Yeah, like, to the point where early on in the show, I wasn't sure if he was supposed to be a child or not. Yeah, not only have they never like made fun of him about it, it's literally never been mentioned that Tran is a kid. And just like out of the blue, they've decided that this is something that's like a real serious problem. Anyway, so Tran is furious about this. And then we cut yeah. back to the hot springs. Yeah, I'm sorry. They like they really lean into it. Tran ex- is experiencing some very real teenage style angst. So we cut back to these hot springs and right. like listen all again most of what I know about Japanese culture comes from either super sentai or anime but from what I know from animes like going and hanging out in hot springs is not only something that happens a lot but it's something that happens a lot about halfway through a TV show and there is always a scene where one of the dudes tries to sneak into the lady part of the hot spring and look at a naked lady I'm not saying that I approve of this trope. I'm just saying it is a thing that happens and it is about to happen in this show. Okay. So it's Guy and Raita and they're on one side and then the ladies, uh, the chief and Akko and Kari are on the other side. And so Guy, he hears them chatting and he's like, oh man, those ladies must be over there. Let's go peep. And Raita says, dude, you can't do that. You're not supposed to. But Raita has a nosebleed and I don't know why uh, this makes no sense to me, but apparently in 
Japanese, like the Japanese sort of trope is that if you are super turned on, you get a nosebleed. Yes. And so Guy says like, oh, you're telling me you don't want to do this, but I can see your nosebleed. Like you are also on board with this. And besides, and this is where, remember a minute ago when I said sometimes Guy is the absolute worst? Uh, yeah. Welcome Here back we to go. That. Guy says, if a woman is at a hot spring, that means that she wants to be looked at, which means uh, that Guy has some very, I was going to say interesting, but let's shift it out for abhorrent uh, definitions yeah. of the word yeah. consent. <laughs> so they want you to look at them. That's why they're there, bro. And Raito so, is very easily convinced by this. Yeah, he's like, oh, well, as long as if you put it that way, that makes a ton Never of sense. Never thought of it that way. And so uh, Ryu, they're about to, and then Ryu walks in and sees Guy, and he's like, Guy, what's going on over the fence? Which is a weird question to ask, because obviously that's where the other hot spring bath is. But he asks the question, and Guy says, oh, there's like, what does he say? There's like a bear on the other side? He says there are three apes on the other side. Yeah, okay, sorry. And Ryu is like, what? That doesn't make any sense at all. Like, I've so got he to goes check over. these out. Right, I gotta see what's going on. So he goes over, and he looks up over the fence, sort of immediately realizes what has happened in this whole trick scenario. But as he is doing that, Guy grabs his ankles and uses his super strength to just toss Ryu bodily over the fence. So he lands in like the lady portion of the hot spring bath. Uh, this is not well received by not that at all. side of the hot spring bath. Um, there is some shrieking, there is some hiding, there is some hitting Ryu in the head with a bucket. Uh, frankly, the, the quicker we move past the scene, the better. Yeah, well, the show moves past it immediately because we just go to the next day at breakfast and no one ever references this again. Listen, they've all also seen those cartoons that I was referencing earlier. Like <laughs> They just know this is part of it. They've and seen then, that yeah, one episode on. of Outlaw Star. Dang, Outlaw Star is a good show. I Okay, Outlaw Star is a show that I liked a lot when it was airing. I'm not sure if Outlaw Star holds up. But I do really like the idea of like magic bullets that summon monsters. Yeah, that's a that's a really cool idea. Okay, so anyways, Outlaw Star completely aside. So we go to the next day. It's breakfast time. I actually I, I assumed it was lunch or dinner because they were eating noodles and broth, but that's breakfast. And so we go to breakfast, and they're all just tucking in, uh, except Kauri. She says, oh, I don't really eat breakfast. And so she gives her stuff to Raita. She says, if you want it, you can go ahead and have it. Raita is on board immediately. Dude, yellow rangers love eating multiple bowls of rice and or noodles. That is something yeah. you learned from that first episode of Go Ranger. Right. Dude puts away like five bowls of curry rice. So we look, we kind of pan from there. It's actually a pretty neat shot that we pan from there. It's a single continuous thing and it zooms out the window and we see Tran sitting off in the woods but kind of outside of this inn and he is playing his flute and as he is playing this flute, we zoom back and we see an ant crawling up Kaori's neck and then she kind of gives a little start and I guess we are given to understand that the ant has bitten her and she starts going nuts on breakfast. Yeah, like without speaking, she just reaches back to her previously abandoned bowl of noodles and just starts scarfing. 
Yeah, she gets. Yeah, she just gets real crazy. And everyone's like, and then there's like, uh, what? What are you? What? What are you doing, Kauri? And Akio is like, well, no, let let her be. Like we're on vacation. You should have a good breakfast. She has a little bit more of an appetite. Like everything's cool. She's trying to sort of smooth over what is very clearly odd behavior. And then there's like a really unsettling shot of just it's a super close up on Kauri's mouth and all you see is like her lips moving as she is chowing down on these noodles. It's a very like I don't need a I don't need a close up shot of that super sentai. So, okay, we we cut away from breakfast and they are all out at the creek and they are fishing. Uh, there's a great little bit in here where the two that are actually doing the fishing are Guy and Raita. And Raita is a super good fisherman. And Guy is just like standing there in his city clothes, like being terrible at outdoorsy stuff. <laughs> and like Raita's giving him some agita about it. He's like, what? You can catch all these girls. So you can't catch a couple of fish. And Guy is just looking <laughs> daggers at Raita. He's just like... Shut up, stupid. Like, you know, he's obviously... he Like, he's irritated that he's not good at this. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a great moment. And so uh, they're talking about, like, grilling the fish up and what they're going to have for lunch and all this stuff. And then we pan over and we see Kauri, and Kauri has eaten everything else that they brought for lunch. No, okay, dude. Here, I think, is what actually happens. Um, and it's like way creepier than what you just said because Raita turns to Kauri and says, hey, Kauri, look, I caught another one. Now, that means that he has been catching fish all morning. Oh, yeah, we saw a bunch of, oh, and geez, goes, I did not yeah, put this together. Goes, he goes to like hand those fish to Kauri, who is sitting next to the cooler that is empty. I think that cooler had previously been full of like the fish that he had caught. And so she just like, did. She just scarfed down bones and all a cooler full of raw fish. Live, live fish. We actually got an establishing shot of it, and I did not put it together until you said this. But yeah, there were six fish in there just swimming around in water, and then that cooler was empty. Yeah. But that is not nearly as upsetting as what will happen soon. Oh, yeah. Uh, This, I think, is about the worst moment I maybe have seen in almost anything ever. So we get a little shot of this girl, and she is running around, as she call, and she is calling for Chibi, which we don't know what that is, but we're about to find out that that is her dog. And then we see a lady, like an adult lady, and she is walking out of a barn, and she's in farm clothes, and then we zoom in, and we see this lady get bitten on the neck by an ant. She turns, and she sees the family dog. Then we, Chibi. then we cut away chilling out. to the girl calling for Chibi, and she says, Hey, Mom, have you seen Chibi? We get a close-up on the mom licking her lips and saying, No, I haven't. And then the camera cuts to an empty dog collar. Yup. So, that is the thing there you that go, this kids. show just put on children's television. Be careful of viral monsters, because if they get into your life, your mom might eat your dog alive. Listen, dude, I was not kidding when I said that there were some dark moments in this episode. Yeah, it's man. Now, I don't even. That, I don't even have jokes on that. That How I, do, like that one. I think is the lowest part. Like things will continue to happen, but that is the bit that is the most like psychologically upsetting. Yeah, yeah. Eating the family dog sort of tops out that list. So we go to that night, 
And all we see is we get a couple of, it's a montage of people in and around this small town. There's ants sort of skittering everywhere. Tran is off to the side. He's playing his flute. And people are biting all of these, or I'm sorry, ants are biting all of these people. And then we get a sort of uh, Night of the Living Dead style scene where people are wandering around as like hunger zombies. And they all are congregating in this field. Now, a field full of live cows. The next morning, the rooster crows. Akko wakes up. She's thrilled to be on vacation. She looks around and sees that uh, Kauri isn't there. And she pokes her head out the window. And what does she see where there ought to be a field full of live, live cows... But instead, it is a field strewn with the bleached bones of cattle. Yeah, just Old West style, like in the desert, just stripped bones of all these cows. Uh, and so they all, they freak out appropriately. And actually, I'm sorry, they, I think this is when they notice that Kauri is missing. It is, it is. So they run into the hallway, and the guys kind of run out because their room is on the other side, and that's when they realize that Kauri is gone. So Guy runs off, and then we kind of flip to the next scene, which is Kauri just crouched by the inn's refrigerators, getting nuts on whatever she can get her hands on. Just, yeah, just literally eating everything out of the refrigerator. Guy finds her and is like, Kauri, what's up? And she just turns to him and is like, Oh, hi. Good morning. As though there is nothing wrong. Yeah. Uh, he gets a little bit closer to her, realizes what is happening, and says, Kauri, what is going on? And that's when she sort of freaks out a little bit. She knocks him over, runs past him, out into the field. We flip out from there, and it's the rest of the Jetmen checking out these stripped bones. You know... Okay, I understand why they did strict bones because on a visual level, that's much less gross and horrifying than kind of mangled corpses of cows. Yes. But if you think about it, the fact that the bones themselves are literally stripped clean is a lot more unsettling. You know, Dave, I'm you know doing what my I'm best saying? to not think about it. <laughs> that's uh, that's fair. Uh, okay, so the other Jetman, they're checking out these bones. When Kauri runs out of the building and just attacks them, because like at this point, she has been like triggered and is now in like crazed, like almost too crazed monster form. Yeah. So they sort of manage to fend her off and she does a flip and then she transforms into a creepy ant person. Now what this looks like is that like she has been Covered in, like, she's still wearing all her, like, the same outfit. PJs and stuff, yeah. But, like, any bit of exposed skin is painted with, like, black paint. And she has, like, this weird, like, facial prosthetic that is, like, yeah, it's, She's got a mandibles. Yeah. It's, it's creepy and weird. So the, they're looking around, and I don't know where this sand comes from, but all of a sudden the sand that is at their feet starts shifting, and all of the rest of the townspeople that have also been turned into ant monsters uh, jump out of the sand and go to attack the Jetmen. Now what's weird about this, and sort of a cool note, is that the different people are transformed into ant people to different degrees so some of them only have like a few blotches of black paint on them and some of them are a lot more transformed 
I think Cowrie is the only one that has mandibles, though, that I saw. I think you're right. Like, I don't. I don't think that's significant, but I I noticed it. So Tran is so Tran appears, and he is playing the flute, and the monsters are attacking. The chief kind of immediately puts it together and says, "Oh, he's controlling them with that flute. We gotta get it or destroy it or whatever." So then there's a fight scene, and it it's like not super interesting. It's just the townspeople attacking the Jetmen. Tran triggers an explosion using his Nintendo Power Glove, and then mid-explosion, the rest of the Jetmen cross-change. And then at this point, we get one of those cool Tran fights where they keep trying to attack him, and he is just using his like telekinesis and teleportation to like completely keep them off guard. Like, okay, yeah. there's the great bit where um, Akko and Raita like, pull out their guns and start to shoot lasers at him. And then he just pulls the bird blasters out of their hands, has them, like, flying through the air, shooting back at the rangers. It was great. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I did notice something. Tran has changed his hairstyle, I think. I think he's trying to have a little bit more of a grown-up hairstyle. It's a little more slick And so uh, Guy attacks Tran, and is having zero success. Tran is just, you know, kind of teleporting around and doing his his kind of thing. And then Tran pops away, and it's all the Jetmen together, and Guy says, don't think I'll go easy on you just because you're a kid, which is a real big talk, Guy, because Tran has been completely <laughs> dominating your whole team since this whole thing, since this thing started. But, so Tran uses his telekinesis to launch a barrel at Guy, Guy grabs his wing gauntlet and punches it back at Tran and manages to score a shot. So Tran is down. And Guy is about to run over and, I don't know, presumably kill him. And Yeah, and Ryu stops him. Like, and Ryu Listen, stops him. He's a Viram, sure, but he is just a kid. Again, the, like not only have the Viram commanders never talked about this before, the Jetmen, I don't think, have ever addressed the fact that Tran is a kid. Right, like, and why does that matter? If so, <laughs> it was like, oh yeah, he's a genocidal maniac, and he is trying to destroy the Earth, but you know, let's go easy on him. Listen, he's he a minor, just a kid. He's a minor. He'll go to juvenile detention hall for like intergalactic dimension hopping mass murderers. So Ryu makes makes <laughs> like no to, sense. I like but to think that they have an entirely separate set of like giant murder weapons for uh, J- Icarus that are to be used on minors. Only <laughs> like well, we can't use like the death sentence, so we're going to use like this other thing to just like stun you for ten years until you can so learn I- your lesson. <laughs> until you can stand trial as an adult interdimensional. Although villain, actually, Superman. that is kind of what they do in Time Force. And then Time Raider, because they are cops and they're, like, fighting escaped criminals. And so their giant sword, like, freeze compresses Oh, okay. It's like a non-lethal. Yeah, and so basically they get hit with a giant sword. And then, like, there's this big cold blast. And then they get shrunk down into an action figure. And they get put in the closet uh, where they just stay forever. That's amazing. Here's a reminder. Time Force, very good. (laughs) So... So uh, so Tran is furious because this is just reinforcing for him that everybody thinks he's a kid and no one takes him seriously and he's super angry. So he d- does a thing on his power glove and he summons all of the ant energy, I guess, from everyone. I also have it cre- in my notes as ant energy, which is the only yeah, way that you can the describe ant. it. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, that's the only way you can do it. What happens is that there's a little moat of yellow energy that comes flying off everyone in the shape of a tiny animated ant, and they all fly together and they coalesce and they turn into Ant Bazooka, which is just a giant anthropomorphic ant with a Mega Man Bazooka arm. Yes. Now, I wonder if this... Every once in a while, I second-guess the translators that we end up watching for this show, because the fact that this thing isn't called Soldier Ant seems impossible to me. Yeah, that doesn't make any kind of sense. But it should absolutely case. be Soldier Ant. But it does say it says Ant Bazooka, and Ant Bazooka just goes giant immediately. He just turns it up to 11 from moment one. And they're like, okay, well, um, now it is time to get our giant robots. Kauri is now <laughs> free of her ant energy so she jet changes as well jet changes that's not the word that we use it's not it's cross changes but there is a very brief moment and this maybe is just my imagination but there is a really brief moment where you see the jetmen and you you can't see their faces because they're cross changed but you get the sense that they're a little bit upset that tran has like violated etiquette <laughs> like the order of like, things like hey man uh, there's a way that this happens. We fight human size, and then we go giant. That's how this works. Uh, this is not really well. All right, fine. Like, listen, you just you need to give me a chance to like you know stretch out, you know, get my warm up exercises in, and then we go to the giant robot. But he just uh, he just jumps right to it. So they summon Bird Garuda. And what I they like about Bird this Garuda. is that um, they don't bother summoning like Jet Icarus and Bird Garuda. They don't like create Great Icarus. Like this is just yeah, like, that was cool. This is just like a junky ant monster that Tran has been bothering them with, and they're summoning Bird Garuda to just like stomp on it. And and he does. This is an entirely one sided fight. Yeah, and like Bird they were just yeah, Bird shouting has... at him the whole time. Like, stop doing this sort of thing. Like, this is what you get for embarrassing me. Yeah, Kauri's real mad about it. So yeah, they just they they Bird Garuda blast him, and then they like kick him and do the blast. Like, it's over in I think forty seconds. It's a very perfunctory fight, and Bazooka has zero shot at defeating Bird Garuda. So Kauri does say, as they are about to defeat him, Kauri says, I usually eat like a bird. And Akko's just, <laughs> she's like, you liar. She's like, I, I know that, that, that that's not true. Uh, so, so the fight is over and we cut back down to Tran and he is like fuming when the other yeah. three Viram commanders like phase shift out from behind trees and just start like ridiculing him. Yeah. And so they say a couple of things. So the first thing is Radigat says, you've disturbed or I guess like provoked is what it's supposed to mean, the enemy unnecessarily. Which, okay. Which, first of all, that is that's all you guys do. That's all you've done for 36 weeks. Yeah. So they say that. And then somebody else, I can't remember if it's Gray or Maria, say, and after all that, you were completely unsuccessful. Again. Guys. Right. None of you have been successful. This has been as successful as anything else any of the rest of you have tried. So, like, they just start, you know, they keep laying into him, and he just, like, shrieks and runs off into the distance. Yeah, he does not actually do a super great job of portraying that he's, like, a real grown-up to be taken seriously, because he does just throw, like, a shrieky tantrum and then runs away. <laughs> so, we cut back to the Jetman, and they are trying to, like, get back into the swing of their vacation. 
And some of them, like Raita is like, okay, let's play baseball. And like, he's got his baseball clothes on and he's smiling. And I think like... Oh yeah, he has a full uniform. Like he brought this suit from home. Like Ryu and Guy particularly are like, dude, is this... This is weird, right? That we're doing this now. (laughs) Also because we're just playing in the middle of a cow pasture? And not even a flat cow pasture. Just, there's like hillocks. Ryu is like halfway up on the side of a hill. Uh, But, you know, whatever. So he, so Ryan pitches the ball. The chief hits it. And I think Kauri catches it. And then Akko says, hey, Kauri, don't eat the baseball. And then Kauri is like jokey mad. Right. But okay, that was another weird moment because like some stuff went down. Like yeah, some very real things happened here, Akko. <laughs> like Akko was a making dog was eaten. Yeah, someone ate a dog, and Akko was just like making light of it, and it like does not come off great. I mean, I guess it does <laughs> in like inside of the show, but me watching it, like, dude, you need <laughs> to take a big step back. Now, <laughs> let's just let this one settle now, normally, for maybe a few minutes. This would be the end of the episode because it doesn't seem like it's a two-parter. But here's the great thing about this episode is that it is a two-parter, but the Jetmen don't know that it's a two-parter. Like, they think they're done. Like, like, we had a weird thing with ants happening and we beat it and now it's done. But the episode isn't over because we cut to Tran. So, Tran is in a cave under a waterfall, and he is just like, he's still fuming with rage about the way that the other Viome commanders have treated him. And he just says, he says, don't make, you know, you'll see, my anger will make me grow up faster. Now, I fully assume that this was a figurative statement. Like, (laughs) I'm angry, and it will make me mature faster. I was wrong. No, it was 100% literal because like he rips off his visor and like throws off maybe his cloak as well. Yeah. And he just starts screaming. Screaming and shaking and we are seeing his fists vibrate and then they actually do some fun stuff as they get a spandex. We're getting like real zoomed in on the spandex undershoot here and then they have stuff like shifting and moving and then it explodes, I guess. And then we just see an adult Tran. He literally just ages 10 years instantly. Yeah. <laughs> he gets so angry that he burns through 10 years and just is there as a full-on adult human man. Well, Viram. Viram. Yeah. So I had assumed it was figurative. Uh, it was not. It's literally his anger just made him grow up faster. And by faster, we mean instantly. Uh, and that's the episode, dude. <laughs> that's it. So what, Dave, was your high point of the week? Uh, my high point of the week is when Tran, a- I know we just talked about it, but is when Tran ages 10 years instantly. He, like, he's just so furious that he gets older. That's an amazing concept to me. Also, yeah, I mean, Tran, I-, I think, is going to have to watch his temper if that is a thing that happens to him. <laughs> Just, like, get really pissed off and all of a sudden is 72 years old? Yeah, man. I feel like you would have to watch out. Uh, that is a thing <laughs> that could become a liability real quickly. That is a dangerous superpower. Uh, but, yeah, that is also my high point. Like, there was a lot of, like, cool visual stuff that happened this week. And, like, listen, this is maybe the most, like, horror movie-esque episode that we've seen of this show. 
Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll allow a doubling down on high points because there were not a lot of high points in this episode. It was real unsettling. I mean, I, okay, I, I feel like that makes it sound like I don't like this episode, but I do. I really like this episode, but like, boy, it's a whopper. Yeah. So low point. Can we just agree that that the woman eating her family dog is the low point? Yeah, like maybe, we could uh, just not, we're both on board with maybe, that, right? Uh, not only is that the low point of this episode, that might be like my low point of the super sentized, like storied forty year history. Yeah, that's a real. That's the worst thing I've ever seen in an episode of this show with the two seasons that we've that we've done. So yeah, that was real awful. But that's it. <laughs> Come on back next week for some some more some more goops, dude. There were some some rough chuckles this week, Dave. <laughs> but I think that is it for us, yeah, Matt? Yes, that is going to do it for another episode of The Jetman with the Golden Gun. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes, check out what we're talking about on Twitter. We are at Bros. if you like the show. And boy, I hope you do. You don't necessarily like all the things that happen in it, but I hope you like the show. <laughs> we don't. Um, uh, we're on iTunes. There are five stars there. They're shining in the iTunes review section. Select them all. Give us a good rating. That's what's going to help people uh, find the show. The Super Sentai Brothers are a production of the Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we're the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>